وحده والصلاه والسلام على من لا نبي بعد اما بعد قال من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبلنا والله نعم المحسنين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلاما على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم In this path of tazkiyah, in purification of heart, the person has to constantly renew their niyyah and intention so that they become a person of irada, a person of resolve and determination to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, although we all hope that Allah ta'ala will ultimately accept even one thought from our mind or one wish in our heart that we wanted Him or one yearning that we had to please Him, And that is our hope that Allah Ta'ala may accept even any single yearning like that and make it a means or just an excuse for him to send his rahmah and mercy on us on the Day of Judgment. But that is our hope. But our reality is that we have to keep constantly renewing that intention. It's not enough to just make it once. It's not enough to just want Allah Ta'ala once. It's not enough to just try once. And if you think about it, if you look at other relationships, it's exactly the same. When you look at a husband-wife relationship, there's a problem. You say, well, you have to make it work now. It's not enough to say, well, when we got married in the first place, we really truly wanted to be happy. Yes, 100% that's true. You did have that initial intention. You had that initial plan. But now 10 years have passed. You have to renew that intention. You have to stick to that plan. It's not enough to have wanted it once. It's not even enough to have wanted it for 10 years. That's the level of istiqamah. That's the level of perpetuity, continuity, and it's a matter of human relationships. So then imagine the level of istiqamah, the type of continuity, the type of perpetuity that a person must have in their relationship with Allah Sultana, in their relationship with the Divine Rabbi Kareem. And that's something that I think some of us don't realize. And, you know, sometimes I think even, maybe even reads the created part of the cross because when people hear so much about Allah's mercy and Allah's love, sometimes they start counting on that and they start counting on the hope that, okay, even if once in my life I did something that once you Allah, or once in my life I did Hajj or once in my life I did Umrah or even in that whole, all the Umrahs or Hajj you blessed me to ever to do, once I must have made the law sincerely or entire to walk one round I must have been sincerely or certainly one time of the days at Shukaba truly and these are all can be ways to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are legitimate feelings but the other side of it is that maybe once isn't enough maybe ten times wasn't enough maybe ten years wasn't enough but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taking that test and I guess that's the nature of every relationship as the relationship proceeds as the relationship grows it keeps getting tested And there are all kinds of external tests, external shocks, external factors that come in a relationship. Can the relationship manage that? Can the relationship survive that? Can the relationship remain strong in spite of all that? All of these are things to be looked at. And that's what happens to some of us who become, as they say, you know, foot sore or heart sore on this path. Actually, what's happening is natural that Allah's Allah comes testing us in another way or a different way, or yet another way. 
And we somehow thought that the testing part was stopped because of whatever humble or feeble efforts that we made, or however much sicker that we made, or how much time we spent with Shay, or how many beyond we listened to, or how much sohbah company we had, or how much any amal or ibadah or any talim, any learning, or any tabiyah, any training that we received. So the reality is not that the tasks keep continuing. Certainly we can make dua to Allah SWT, saying Allah SWT, you know, I'm feeling weak again in my relationship with you. I ask that you restore me to that feeling that you gave me when I made tawaf, or that feeling that I had in Ramadan, or that feeling that I had when my baby was born, the feeling of sugar I had, that feeling of zikr I had, that feeling of closeness I had with you. Certainly we can make dua for those things. And, this, and it's not against humility to do that. Because the well-known and very often narrated hadith that is in Sahih, uh, that the be a green something mentioned the incident uh, from an earlier community of three people who found themselves trapped in a cave. Meaning through Allah knows that for some reason they were in the cave and then some type of avalanche came or some boulder fell and blocked the entrance to the cave, that each of them presented their amal. Each of them made dua to Allah Taala using something that they did. Now what does that mean? Obviously, greater than Allah because it's the name of Allah's mercy that Allah Taala I ask you in the name of your mercy. I ask you in the name of your desire, your guidance. I ask you in the name of your greatness. But what they did, and not, it wasn't any denial of that, but they made dua to Allah Taala asking Allah Taala in the name of some Allah some practicing things and that, that they felt that they had done in their life that was sincere and was pleasing to Allah SWT. So they asked and made dua that Allah SWT accept that. And Allah Ta'ala after the three of them made dua, Allah Ta'ala accepted it and moved the boulder sufficiently so that they could exit the case. So similarly a person, you might find that you're stuck in some trap in your life. Especially in this, and, you know, rather than life, I'm talking about a trap in our, or a dead end in our relationship with Allah SWT, where something has come, some big boulder has fallen in the path of our progress to Him. So we need to tell Allah SWT, you know, I don't know, maybe it might even be that somebody's heart has become numb. So to make Allah SWT right now, I'm embarrassed and ashamed in front of you that my heart has become numb. And the do not have that feeling. But Allah I ask that you bestow upon me that same feeling that you bestowed upon me on such and such a time. I ask Allah that you remember the time that I did have yearning for you, longing for you, love for you. I need to call upon you like that. I need to pray salah like that. I need to make satsang like that. Allah I ask that you restore me to that. And a person can make such dua to Allah And when a person makes such dua to Allah then it also serves as a reminder to one's own self about how we used to become close to Allah SWT. And this is important. Uh, this is not, uh, could not fall under Utyub or Liya. It's actually sometimes we need to remember our past successes. So look, you know, why? Because what happens is otherwise the person becomes what we call Mayus, becomes despondent, despairs. That no, there's no hope for me, I won't be able to do it, and I won't be able to turn to Allah SWT. But then remind yourself that you did. You did turn to Allah SWT when you were weak. You did connect to Allah SWT when you were far. You did draw near to Him when you were distant. If all of this has happened before, you've gone through this before. But Allah SWT took you out of it. 
So sometimes it's important to remember our past struggles and Allah's past blessings and karmas. And you know, I think one example I can give of this is very striking is sometimes people who accept Islam as a deen later, call them convert, call them leave it, however you want. This is something that they always have. They can turn to Islam and tell Islam, if you were going to pick me out of whatever it was, you took me out of atheism or you took me out of a corrupt Christianity or you took me out of a whatever beliefs or lack of belief or disbelief or unbelief that I had, and you were the one who gave me imam. So when you were that big and you remembered me in the midst of all of my disbelief and unbelief, and still you remembered me to guide me, to guide my heart, to give me imam, I ask you to remember me now the same way that you remember me before, that you got me the gift of Islam. And so I think that's something that they always have the ability to do, is to call upon Allah Subhanahu in that way, to remember Allah Subhanahu because obviously that's an incredible grace and from Allah Subhanahu did on them that He granted them Iman. So this is something that we have to always connect the dots, so to speak, in our journey to struggle for Allah Sultan. And you know, always remember that, yes, no doubt, sometimes we may find that we have dips and we have falls, but that same Allah Sultan, He's given us many peaks, He gave us many surges, there are many leaps that we also took. And so sometimes when we fall, we should remember the leaps. And specifically, remember Allah Sultan, remember Allah Santa the being who gave us those hopes and to ask him to help us again and this is also part of Tawakkul whomsoever relies and trusts and depends upon him Allah Santa will be absolutely sufficient for them and that's very important that we have this type of Tawakkul that we have to buckle on Allah Taala in the path of our spiritual development. We don't think it's always going to be due to our own effort, our own striving. And therefore then we won't always be so disturbed by a lack of our effort and a lack of striving. We just have to turn to Allah Taala. Sometimes Allah Taala puts somebody in a situation specifically for this reason. Because the only way you're going to come out of it is through Allah's Sultan's help. So you are stuck, yes, and you're stuck. Like they were stuck in that cave. They're not going to come out. There's no effort. They had no strength to move the boulder. They had, there was no effort they could apply upon that boulder. So Allah will put them in that situation to remind them that sometimes you'll be in situations that only Allah can take you out. And that's going to happen to us on this path of Tazkiyah. We might sometimes enter a situation or circumstance or pitfall that only Allah can take us out. And the sooner we realize and recognize that, the sooner we get taken out. And the sooner we think that, no, no, I should have made more effort, and said, no, my effort was going to take me out. And therefore, it's not it's the lack of that, you know, the, the, the absence of that effort of mine that would have taken me out, that's what's keeping me stuck. That, that, that also can be true sometimes. I'm not saying that that's never true, right? But sometimes... Allah Ta'ala puts us in a situation that only He can take us out, and all, our, all the effort that is required of us is to turn to Allah Ta'ala in absolute submission, in absolute abjection. You know, what are, you know, the Mashaikh in order they refer to this as the bus that a person turns out on absolute abjection as opposed to dejection. 
and that's just maybe a fancy word, just means that a person turns Allah Taala in a feeling of helplessness, not hopelessness, but they feel that they, you know, they're helpless, not to be able to help themselves in any way, uh, and that they turn to Allah Taala and ask Him for help. They ask Him for madad, for nusra, for help and hidayah, for guidance to take them out. And that's the real thing that, you know, if we get too dependent on our individual guides or sheikhs or on our own individual amal or practice, then we forget that ultimately truly understand of the guide. And while reminding ourselves of that at the same time, we have to focus on sahabah and good company and good guidance. And we have to focus on talim and learning more knowledge about our deen. And we have to focus on tarbiyah, about being trained, how to discipline and fight our nafs and being trained and how to come closer to the Muslim and the So these are all the things that a person has to constantly, repeatedly do, but periodically, repeatedly do on this path of Tadjiyah. To renew their commitment, renew their desire, renew their effort, renew their discipline. Uh, and you'll find in this world, people do that for the world. It's amazing you know, how much people do for the world. And another interesting thing about the dunya, you see, when there's one type of person, okay, that's just your greed, right? They're greedy, and therefore they just have, you know, absolute materialistic desires. Then there was another type of person who almost like you have to personify the dunya. So then you saw, okay, but this person has got greed for me. He's willing to spend their day and night striving for me. He's willing to shed their blood and sweat for me. But look at this other person. There's another person who isn't doing that because they don't have that greed. So I want, like the dunya wanted, that this person, dunya and shaitan wanted, that this person who doesn't have greed should also work day and night for dunya, should also sweat for for dunya the same way that the person who had greed does. So that was called the development of the corporation and business and professionalism. So the capable, skilled, professional corporate worker ends up getting promoted and getting more responsibility and going higher up in the management and doing more work so that they end up working for the dunya day and night, slaving for the dunya. Just the same way that that person is. But they don't agree. They don't agree. It might be a nice practice and by Muslim. They don't agree. But they end up working and slaving for the dunya the same way that the greedy person works and slaves for the dunya. So sometimes the dunya catches a person through professionalism and corporate work, and sometimes a dunya cat is a person for business. So when the person doesn't actually have greed, but because they actually keep a businessman and their business as well, so they end up doing more. But expand the business, and that expands their work and their responsibility and expands their commitments and time. And so they have to slave away from the dunya. Okay? Okay, yes, but one person slaving away from dunya because they have greed, you can cure them, okay, get rid of your greed. How do you cure the second type of person who's not doing it even out of greed? It's just doing it because that's their profession or that's the nature of their business. They're stuck. So just like that, a person has to work for their tazkiyah. A person has to work to please Allah's Tana. A person has to do it out of another type of greed, which is called hirs. Hirs means greed, not greed for money or greed, jealousy greed. Hirs means deep, deep desire. Insatiable desire, unquenchable thirst to please Allah Taala, to become beloved to Allah Taala, to practice for the sake of Allah Taala, 
understand to have that level of hips. If they have that level of hips, then they will work hard on their tafkir. Tafkir will become their mission, their project, their aim, their goal. And if they don't have that hips, then the second path, and that is one baraka of being affiliated to a shirk and a tarika, is if they don't, if somehow they feel a lapse and, and the higher road is to have that true inner longing desire for the spontaneous. And if for some reason they're lacking that or they're feeling a lapse in that or they're not able to feel that, then what do they do? Then at least they should do it because of their identity as a talib, identity as a salik, because they built up this mode, this framework, this concept, this identity that I'm a seeker on the path. And this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do whether I feel uh, the passion for it or not. I'm still going to do it. This is what I do. I have to work on my zikr. Whether I'm passionate about it or not, I'm going to do it. Because this is what I told myself. This is what I want to do. This is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is who I've become. All right? I have to do dawah because this is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I've become. I have to do khidrat because this is who I want to be, who I am, who I've become. And that can sometimes be like a saving grace. And that's why people who are involved in the khidmat of the deen and in the dawah of the deen, sometimes they're more mafuz, they're more saved. Because they're the act of dawah and the act of khidmat itself. It's like the sahaba, it's like a company. It's a help. They get nusrat, they get help and assistance in their own tazkiyah and their own deen due to the dawah and khidmat that they do. And that's the need the person should make. And whenever we make dawah of deen, khidmat of deen, we should make that near. So we start on doing this effort of dawah, this work of khidmat for my own sake, for my own self. That by making this dawah, doing this khidmat, doing this mudzis, giving this talk, helping this person, I will be helping myself and I'm the most needy of help. And I need to help myself. I need to do things in my life that help me in my relationship with you. I need to help myself become better in my relationship with you. Yes, obviously, then there are some, mashallah, truly, mutakeen, salihin, awliya, ulama, who do dawah of deen, shidmudin, as their asal, as their main, primary, true, real purpose. But for us, we do it in order to help ourselves on the path of tasking. All right? And, and when a person remains confused in that, then very quickly, all of all things are given to our passion. Also brings them back to the higher true intention of their own inner longing and desire for Allah Subhanahu wa So, this process in Tazkiyat is a process and a path, and it has its ups and downs. We just have to make sure our average keeps going up. So, just like there's a student, and if they get a bad trade, so they don't start crying, they don't drop out. You're like, okay, I got this bad grade. Now what I have to do is I have to make sure that I get a lot of other good grades so this bad grade doesn't hurt my average. So sometimes it will happen to us on this path. You might slip, you might fall, you might have a lapse, there might be a hafla, there might be sin. And you have to make sure that that doesn't hurt your average. And you have to fight back the falls, the leaps, for the surges, for the peaks. And keep moving, keep struggling, keep turning to Allah so all of these things that we mentioned just now, so far tonight, are all about amal, about practice. 
it is very important that a person needs to become a person, a practitioner. You know, some of us, we might know the sweetness and joy of ilm, of learning being and understanding being, far greater than that and far more beneficial than that is the joy and pleasure of Amal, the joy of practice, attainment and achievement in practice, Amal. Some of us we might know the joy, and we may have expressed, experienced pleasure and delight in Sohba, in company of ulama, company of Mashaikh, Yuch, and no doubt there is a certain delight in that. But even more greater than that is the delight and joy and pleasure of Amal, in practice, practicing deen, in following deen, in implementing deen, in being deen, in becoming deen, side of deen, person of deen, person of practice, person of amal. That's the greatest joy and delight. Greatest joy and delight. And when it comes to amal practice, ultimately, no doubt there are many things that can guide us to practice, motivate us to practice, inspire us to practice, but ultimately, practice is the individual, is the individual's decision, is the individual's effort. And that's perhaps why the joy in that is greater and the pleasure is greater. What? And we should also have ill. One can, if one lacks ill, one can benefit from the ill of others. For example, if a Muslim doesn't know something, they can ask an alim and benefit from the ill. But if you lack amal, Take the benefit from the amal of somebody else. If you don't break dungeon, you can't ask a person to break dungeon and benefit from their dungeon. I guess if you don't understand something about sharia or some mas'ala, some legal matter, some legal ruling, you can benefit from another person. And that's another thing very special about amal, that it's individually done and individually rewarded, and it's needed at the individual level. It's critical, it's essential. There's no replacement, there's no substitute, there's no backup for our own individual amal. There might be some backups and substitutes for a lack of our individual ilma, knowledge, but there's no backup for our lack of our individual amal, our individual practice. So we have to be firm on deen, steadfast on deen, strong on deen, and then become deen, turning to Allah's fountain. Even, you know, we have to keep track of this. We have to see what are those gatherings, what are those inspirations, what are those interactions that help me and increase in my amal. What are those gatherings, what are those interactions, what are those actions that hurt me in my amal, cause a decrease in my amal. You know, people today can be very sensitive about what they eat, and they keep track of that, and they know well. They know their stomach well. They know that what if I eat these, these things, it's going to disturb my stomach. In fact, these things that make me feel strong and energetic and fresh, whether a person needs a morning coffee or whatever, right? So if we're so aware of our stomach, and imagine how aware a mu'min of believers should be about their qalb, about their ruh, about their spirituality. We should be very sensitive to that. We should be tracking that. We should be aware of that. And many, many times there are things in our lives, opportunities, that would have helped us in our relationship with Muslim, but we bypass it. We ignore it. We don't even see it. And the reason we don't see it is because we're not looking for it. We're not searching for it. That's called here's a person who has that thirst and desire and passion. They're constantly searching for opportunities and ways to make themselves a better believer. 
So very briefly, if we were to articulate a practical regimen for people, number one is that you have to improve your ibadah. So for men, that would mean praying five times salah in jama'ah in the masjid and spending some time in the masjid, sometimes from Fajr to Ishraq, sometimes from Asr to Maghrib, sometimes staying back for Awabi. For women, it would mean that praying your salah regularly, earlier in the time, and not being in this habit of delaying and procrastinating salah, especially Isha salah. It's makruh. And you know, that's a reason, especially because it's mostly the matters of praying jama'ah. So it's especially a guidance for the women that to delay the Isha salah after the half of the night has passed, right? Which many times is early than 12 midnight, half of the night, right? It's makruh. It's disliked. It's viewed as belittling to the salah. So to improve our ibadah, to improve our salah, and to linger a bit after salah for the men in the masjid, for the women in the masjid at home, to make from the salah or an urdu farsi jai in the mouth, the place where she sits, sometimes to sit until a shock, sometimes to sit from masjid to the rib. Right? The second thing is that there should be some type of regimen of liquor, liquor of God, and that's ibadah, so that a person knows, okay, what should I do if I sit from masjid to shock? What should I do if I'm going to sit from Masjid to Maghrib? There should be some proper regiment of liquor, preferably learned and taught and instructed by Shiyuch, and to take guidance from Shiyuch on that, and to practice that regiment of liquor, and to keep a journal and log of that practice. Third, is to have a nisab, a curriculum of ilm, where the person is constantly learning more about their deen, increasing their knowledge and understanding of deen. It might be to read a book on Sirah, read a book on purification, then they're saying the seer of the surah. For example, if a person makes me, I'm going to recite surah kaf every Friday, then to make it part of our ilm, knowledge, that I want to understand the deep seer of surah kaf. Right? Fourth is to purify our heart, and this has two aspects of faith and gift. Fourth is to rid ourselves of negative attributes, to look at our heart and see what are the bad feelings, bad characteristic traits I have. Maybe it's love, maybe it's greed, maybe it's laziness, Maybe it's excess, maybe I waste things, maybe it's wastefulness, maybe it's pride. And to start with one and pick one and attack it and to learn how to remove that from the heart. And the fifth is to adorn our spiritual heart with the good characteristics to reflect on the life and character of Sayyidina to reflect on the Sifada of what we need, the characteristics and the virtues and features and feelings of believers. Also mentioned and try to adopt them to start with one, whether it's supper, whether it's sugar, whether it's humility, and to implicate that in our heart. So these are five practical things to improve our ibadah, to linger in our ibadah, to have a curriculum, the regimen of liquor, to have a curriculum of learning knowledge, to reduce our negative attributes and characteristics, and to increase the positive feelings. And then there are five things that can help us soften up with company, dalim, getting instruction going to be here being trained in Tazkiyah and Dawah, guiding others to deen, and Shidmah being of service to others. And this is a practical way we can try to renew our intention and our desire to become seekers on the path and the pleasure of the Muslim Thomas. We make Dawah that Allah accept each and every one of us this true Tazkiyah, simple and true Tazkiyah, pure and mukhlis and khalid Tazkiyah. We also want to protect us from every false ideology from the false company, and with them accept each and every one of us for his true love and his pleasure. And then, alhamdulillah, he loved the father.